I'm Robert Hoffman. And I'm Chris Panico. And we're back for another episode of No Nonsense Storytime. Where we take story time with the books that were written for kids. (laughs) And we get rid of the nonsense in those books. Yeah, that's what we do. I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So today, today we're going to be doing, um, The Tailor of Gloucester. The Tailor of Gloucester. By Beatrix Potter. Indeed. I'm really excited. Me too. Chris, Beatrix Potter is, um, is, well, was, wasn't, was an author and an artist. She was. A bunch of stuff. She was a bunch of stuff. A landowner? A landowner. A farmer. Mm-hmm. A sheep breeder. An expert on mushrooms. A candlestick maker. Is that one true? No, she wasn't that. Okay. All the other things that I've said are true. Yeah. It was, I was you know, the a butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Yeah. I was trying to think. Maybe she made candlesticks. It's possible. Maybe. She was really I good I think everyone in the 1900s made their own candlesticks. I know that I certainly did. Yeah. I was born in the 1900s. So. I guess... Technically, and you did say everyone. Yep, everyone. So that I, I had to, at least yeah. while I was a small child. Yeah, <laughs> like little two-year-old, like melting wax. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Really got off track here. Do you have a, a fun yeah. fact about <clears throat> Beatrix Potter? Uh, at one point, she married her editor. Oh, everyone's he, dream. He died four weeks later. Rough. Yeah. Very rough. Not part of the dream. I have a fun fact. Okay, um, we need a fun one. She, she had a journal that she kept when she was a kid, and that's how she started writing. Oh, actually, this is a double fun fact, because this just <laughs> popped in my head. Um, the Tale of Peter Rabbit, uh-huh. which everyone knows that book, that was her first book. It was? Her really? first book. Wow. Rude, right? Anyway. Yeah, right. She wrote it when she was like... Man. Probably like 30 or something. Wow. Started know. late and, Started hit, late it and right. hit it right. Hit it right out of the park. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she was doing a bunch of stuff before. Anyway, when she was a kid, the, how she started writing is she kept a little journal and she wrote her journal in code. And her code oh, was yeah. a letter, like a single letter replacement code. So she just like substituted one letter for a different letter for, for each every letter. single letter. And that's, that's how she wrote her whole journal. So confusing. Yeah, what a, like, weird thing. That'd be fun to try to, to crack. It, yeah, yeah. Like, if you know that's the rules, you could figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I've, I've cracked a lot of codes like that before. Um, When I was in high school, that was something that I thought was really fun, was, like, single-letter replacement code cracking. And we had... Um, <clears throat> this is a thing? Yeah, we had a substitute teacher who came up with codes like that and then made little... Um, little cards that had a thing written on it and mm-hmm. he would put like one letter as a clue and then he would um hand them out to the class and then the first one to get it got bonus points on whatever nice he was a substitute teacher too i had a substitute teacher named mr harrell who was an elderly gentleman from texas mm-hmm. and he carried two things around in his pocket <laughs> that you know of that well these things were famous okay one of them <clears throat> 
was a piece of rope that was tied. It was an old piece of rope that was like tied into a little knot. And um, you would go up to him. You'd be like, Mr. Harrell, do you like the Eagles? And he'd pull it out of his pocket and he'd say, afraid not. Oh, no. Yeah. And he also had a little piece of wood that had like a little like hammering mechanism on it that and and underneath it was like a quarter is okay. that was his, his quarter pounder oh boy you just carry those things on him all the time afraid and... wow yeah always <clears throat> always yeah at least at school yeah you know that's i mean that's kind of like what did people think of it we loved were, it. Yeah, so that he was that's like cool. more like, beloved than anyone else in the school. That's and he pretty cool. Wasn't even an actual teacher. Yeah, there. there I think at every school there are sort of like the substitutes that are just like like legendary. You know, yeah. like you don't even think of them as people. You think of them as like right. just this force that comes into the school sometimes. Yeah. And it was smart. Yeah, he like kind of created a certain level of job security by doing yeah. that. Um. Anyway, well, at least perceive. At least that's how it feels to you. Like, right, you know, right. I don't know what his life knows. was. Um, also, Beatrix Potter, she lived with her parents until she was 26. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. That's the, so that's the secret to success, everybody. Yeah, so if don't... listening to this. Don't feel bad if you still live with your parents. And if you don't live with your parents, do feel yeah, bad. Yeah, just move home. You, you, yes, go, go home. Tell them we told you. Yes. Make them listen to this pod... Don't, you know... Don't throw us out of the... I mean, Beatrix, Beatrix Potter told you with her actions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we just... We're the messenger. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm here to give us a little recap of the Tailor of Gloucester. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> By the way, it takes place in Gloucester. There's not too much to address as far as that goes. It's pretty clear. Anyway, the Tailor of Gloucester takes place... Not at a determined time, but a long time ago, when people wore, like, fancy, like, waistcoats and things like that. Sometime before the 1900s. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, 1700s, maybe. 1800s. That'd be my guess. Um, And there's a tailor who makes waistcoats and he makes beautiful stuff, but he's really poor. He's very poor. Um, And he has a cat named... um, Uh, Simpkin. Simpkin. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for the assist. He's a cat named Simpkin, and he lives alone with his cat. He works all day. Now, he's working on a very special waistcoat for the mayor that's gonna, like, put his name on the map, and he's gonna get really rich and everything from it. So, he has it all ready to go, and he he lays out the pieces, and he goes home for the night. Um, And when he gets home, Simpkin's there, and he tells Simpkin to take these four the four pence that he has mm-hmm. and go buy sausages milk something bread i think yeah, sausages milk bread and then the fourth thing is the the, uh, the twist the twist which i assume is like a a, a string like not a yeah, string right, like, like a, a little piece, a of, piece of fabric, fabric that it's just like a little yeah he needs gar- it for the waistcoat for your for your waistcoat waistcoat it's waist it's coast. it's a cherry colored twist for the waistcoat yes so Simpkin goes out, he buys all those things. Um, while he's away, the tailor realizes there are all these mice in the house. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, the cat probably likes mice or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the cat comes back and he's really mad because it's cold outside and snowy and he, he hates the cold and the snow and he puts the the food and stuff where it should be but he he hides the um the twist he hides the twist in a teapot because I think partly because he's mad about going outside. I think how it reads is he, yeah, he wants his his mouse. Oh, right, right, right. It's he, sort of like, I'm going to hold this until you give me what I want. Right. He, like, thinks that the tailor is keeping the mice from him. Yeah, or, or something. something. So he holds on to it, and then the tailor's sick, so he can't go into work for a little while, and then he can't find the twist. So he's like, oh no, I'm ruined, I'm ruined, what will I do? And while that's happening, Simkin goes to the the shop, and all these mice are in the shop, mm-hmm. and they, like, taunt him because he can't get in and eat them. Um, and he goes home and eventually feels bad and gives the twist to the tailor, and the tailor brings it over to the shop, and he gets it made. But the mice help finish it. At least there's an implication. Yeah, yeah. That the mice well, the, the mice did almost all the work. The only thing that's left for him. Oh right. When he While gets he there, was sick, they did it. Yeah. The only that's thing that's right. left for him is the one buttonhole where he's supposed to put the twist and a note that says in English writing, mm-hmm. "No more twists." Yes. So we're gonna have to figure that nonsense out. And um, he finishes the coat, and the mayor loves it, and he becomes rich, and mm-hmm. I guess famous. The yeah. End. We sort of touched on the setting already, at least the time period, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it is explicitly England. in Gloucester. Yeah, it does say that. Yeah, it's in Gloucester. Yeah. Oh yeah, the tailor of Gloucester. Right. My bad. So there's really little for us to bandy about. Yep. Um, but you just take us to the moral. Thank you for the assists. Oh no way. problem. Um, it is a it's a longer story than we're used to. It is with a lot of details. Yeah, and a lot of like older words because it was written in nineteen o something. Yeah, it says a lack like four times in this story. Yeah, which is just not a word that we use at all. Yeah, well, I I would say it does not have a lack of a lack. Nice, huh? You right? Yeah. All right. Moral of the story. See, this is a more. This is a, actually, I, I consider this one of the harder morals. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure because uh, here's what you got to think about: Why do the mice make the thing for him? That's a good question. I don't mm, see what their motivation is. Perhaps that they get to stay in that warm. Oh yeah, shop. you know what? It's he like, they sort of wear. The oh, clothes oh. that they wear the things he leaves behind. That's right. He there there's a whole passage <clears throat> that I forgot to mention about how he doesn't leave anything unused. So I think he actually makes like little waistcoats exactly. out of the shreds right. and then the mice, then the mice wear them. Right. A big detail I should not have forgotten. All of the mice are dressed impeccably. Yeah. So it, it's sort nice. of like their return in favor. And they've learned the craftsmanship from him. Great. So I guess the the moral is do good and you will find good. Yeah. Or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. It's because he was good to the mice that they were good to him when he needed it the most. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Cool. Let's do it. I do want to point out, though, 
that at the end of the story, it makes it explicitly clear that the reason um, he be, he became so rich and famous is because the mice did it. Right. Like, it was done in a way that he could not have done. Right. So he did not deserve, you know? <laughs> he didn't. What was so extraordinary about... Well, I think, didn't they imply that the mice keep helping him? Yeah, I don't remember. That, like... The the text says something to the effect of the the buttonholes were so small, like... It was hard to believe that his, yeah, like, that his old hands... right were able to do that i guess it, i guess you would figure that they would have kept helping him after that right i forget if it specifies off the top of my head but they at least helped with the mayor's waistcoat if yeah. not more yeah but sometimes that's all you need it's yeah. one really good job and if you're name recognition if you're the mice the richer and more well-off the tailor gets the more nice clothes they get, the more food yeah, gets left I guess that's around. True. I guess that's true. The more wood you have for the fire. Okay, I'll take it. All right, like let's, get in, let's get, yeah, get in the nonsense. Symbiotic relationship. Into the nonsense. nonsense. Yeah. Um, firstly, I <clears> thought <throat> that this book was hilarious to read. Yeah. Because, like, there were just these tiny mice in, in waistcoats and... Simpkin the cat was being asked to go get bread and yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's weird. These things that I love are nonsense, by the way. That's why I'm bringing them up now. Right. Um. And then the mice can write in English, as you that part. Yeah, something's artfully pointed out. So let's let's start at the top. Okay, where does the nonsense start? I think it's the first ex- thing that's explicitly bananas is that he asks Simpkin to go buy those things. Agreed. But before that, before that, we do have, he makes these little clothes for the mice. And the mice are then wearing the clothes. So we do have to assume, if we're going by no nonsense, Mm -hmm. that he is dressing these mice up. Which is a weird thing to do. He is doing that. It is weird. But it's not nonsense. It's not nonsense. But it's something we should remember about him. Right. Is he is making these tiny little mice outfits... Catching these mice, dressing them up, and letting them go again. Yep. That is what he's doing. Okay. So then he goes home. I love this story. (laughs) Yeah. So already we have, like, sort of uh, hints that this is a man who sees animals as humans. Or maybe not as humans, but he very much personifies animals. And then he gets home to the cat. Yeah. Talks to the cat like a person. expects us to do person things. So that's another... Right. You know, that really solidifies this characterization. Right. And, it, you know, it makes sense because he, um, th- there's like a certain emphasis on the lone lifestyle that yeah. the tailor lives. They, because he only lives with his cat, which they mention explicitly. They talk, he talks to the cat like a human, as you've already said. They also mention, or they, the, 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 the author mentions, at least once, maybe twice, about how he talks to himself while he's mm-hmm. working. Yeah. Which, he's not the first person in the right. world to talk to himself I'll be honest, he's working. I talk to myself a lot now. Yeah, now. I never, I never used to. I, I used to think it was sort of like a silly thing to do. Because I it was like, silly. thinking to yourself is way more efficient. And it accomplishes the same task. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you just have been silent for so long. 
it just feels good to keep your voice active. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It does. I agree. I also think that it's it feels more real when you're actually saying it. Like your thoughts are easier to organize yes. when you verbalize them. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me work through stuff when I'm like trying to figure out a problem uh-huh. or like like maybe I'll be writing a piece of music. I'm like, okay, so I I need to put the third here because this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I notice it happens a lot when I'm writing music, and I think that's because when I'm writing music, it is a verbal process. Like I'm a lot of right. times singing and just letting whatever comes out of my mouth come out. And then I'll say things like, oh, no, that's not it, you know, out loud yeah. because I'm already in that mindset, I think. Right, right, exactly. So it's he's not unique in that he's talking to himself, but it's another yes. it's another trait in this like trait. column yeah. of whatever we decide that, that is. Yes, I mean, definitely a lonely guy definitely sees these animals as very human mm-hmm. and at least treats them like they are sort of on par with him yeah and expects them to treat him back that way as we see with simkin the cat right so then we have to figure out exactly what goes on with this cat the cat goes out in the snow and then does come back with all these things right now the what you're made to understand is that he buys those things and brings them back yeah Cats can't buy things. Cat, well. Unless the cat, there's an understanding between the owners of those shops yes. and the tailor of Gloucester and the cat. Yeah. I think the, I, here's what I think. I think the understanding is less between the tailor and the shop owners and more just an understanding that the shop owners have. I would take it that. This cat, I mean, this cat obviously can't ask for these things, which means that necessarily the shop owners already know what the things are Mm -hmm. and know to give them to this cat. And the cat has done this enough times to be able to just carry him back. Right. You know, it's just a routine at this point. Right. It was trained and the the shop owners understand it. Mm -hmm. There's another eccentricity like it's very unusual yeah it but is a, possible yes but possible but i think it does say move this one right here i think it does say a lot about the shop owner that not the shop owner about oh, the, the tailor the tailor, I agree. the tailor that he buys these four things constantly mm-hmm. you know he is so ingrained in this routine for some reason or another I have a theory. Yeah, let's hear it. Is he <clears throat> agoraphobic? Hmm. He in, might be. In the story, it says that he spends all day in his shop sewing. Yeah. I mean, perhaps that that is, perhaps that's just because that's your job and that's what you do. You do your job all day. Um, and then he goes directly home. So he does leave his house, but we only ever see him in the house or in the shop. Right. He doesn't leave the house to go get food. He sends his cat, which he does on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't seem a far stretch to say he never leaves his house to get food. He always sends his cat. Right. Um, we also know that he lives a very 
like solitary life. He talks yeah. to himself. He's personifying the animals around him, right? Which is an indicator of isolation. Okay, sure. So that's that's fine. Is there a larger theory that this leads into? Not yet. Okay. Not but yet. Is, yeah. So but, okay, let's think about it. Let, yeah, this guy. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't want to go outside. He doesn't want to see people. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. To say. Um. So cool. We have that going for us. Um. Wh- what do we need? We. So he, okay. Here's the thing. Let's look at the four items he gets: sausage, mm-hmm. bread, milk. Those make sense. The. I mean, it's not like a perfectly healthy diet. No. But the, those are three things that a person could eat Indeed. every day, you know? Like, yeah. it's not good in the long run. And this guy's not healthy. He's sick. I mean, you right. know. He gets sick. So, fine. This is, but that is like a, something that you can live on for probably a good amount of time. Yes. Um, and it's something that could be a routine whatever you know there are definitely people who have like i eat the same thing every day and it's this and i eat the same amount yeah and, you know yeah, yeah i eat the same exact bowl of oatmeal and apples every morning yep and this guy is just that to the extreme um but then we have the twist the twist which is the twist it is the twist the uh, twist is the twist yeah so we got to explain that why does this guy get the twist every day if it's just for this thing that he's making one time for the first time hmm well, uh, hmm. I'm, I'm sure he's bought, he's needed twists before for other coats. I guess. But it can't have, if he got it every day, there's no way he's making so many coats that he needs a twist every right. day like no. that. So he'd have ones lying around. So, yeah, so here's what case. I think. Here's what I think. I think that somebody else is kind of pulling the strings. Pulling the twists. Pulling the twists. Somebody knows exactly. Somebody's like in on the shop somehow. I think this guy is sort of, he's sort of manipulated, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's so particular. So, you know, he needs somebody that's actually running stuff behind the scenes, making sure he gets his food, whatever, you know, making sure the cat gets what the cat needs to bring back. Mm -hmm. Um. It's just like the perfect way to get make sure this guy is okay without actually interacting with him because he wouldn't be okay with that. Mm-hmm. So this is somebody, we don't know who, somebody who sort of maybe when he leaves the shop, goes in, checks on things, sees what he needs, mm-hmm. you know, to finish the job the next day and make sure the cat brings that home. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this guy thinks that he's telling his cat to do it and the cat is understanding and going and getting the thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? And so this guy, whoever whoever is behind the scenes, I don't know who it is. We'll have to figure that out. At least come up with an explanation. Whoever is behind the scenes, sort of in charge, um, has in the past always sent the cat back with the right thing. Mm-hmm. So this guy expects to get the twist when it comes back. And actually, he's worried about getting the twist. So maybe this person's messed up before. Because they're not the tailor, and they don't always know exactly what, you know? Or, hmm. that does make sense. Another option is that the twist is not a usual part of what the cat gets, so he might be concerned that 
the cat is not used to getting it. Uh-huh. You know? So he might mess up. But the cat does bring it back. Right, but he doesn't know that until the end. You're right. Okay. Because right? the cat hides So it. sure. That doesn't necessarily have to be it. Right. Like, he's not... There's no point where he's, like, even angry at Simpkin for not bringing it. Yeah. You know? He's just like, oh, no. I'm ruined. Yeah, I'm ruined. I don't have yeah. a, a twist. You're right. Um, But I I think that someone else being involved in some way makes sense. Yeah. Especially as we continue down this story. Right. Because now we get to the... The trickiest part is the... The mice. The next thing that's kind of insane is... While Simpkins out... Yeah. He hears all <clears throat> the, the, these tappings. Right. Which are the mice. Uh-huh. Underneath these teacups. He opens the teacups. And there are these well-dressed mice right underneath the teacups oh no he's surprised by it though yeah <gasps> but he dressed the mice he did so why would he be surprised well and he like addresses that it's curious because uh, i thought right how i read it i really hope i didn't read it wrong go, go ahead i'm go sure ahead. i did in some way how i read it was he dressed the mice at the tailor shop Mm-hmm. And then the mice, you know, know how to get to his house. Right. They so can they, go all over the city. Right. They have a whole thing about it. And they that. happen to show up at his house. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then he's like, well, wait, what's going on when they show up? So maybe he wasn't oh. surprised by the fact that they were wearing the clothes. He was, he was surprised just to see them at his house because he knew that the mice he dressed were not at his house. They were, in fact, at the tailor shop. Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do they say anything to him? Do they speak to him? No. They I don't, don't. Okay. They just bow and stuff, I think. And then they do speak later. They do speak later. Right. Remember all the animals just can, start singing? They can speak for that one. Yeah, that part of the story, like, really was a trip. There was, some, yeah, the everything, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, that's fine. Then Simpkin comes back and he's angry, hides the twist. This all makes sense. It's not until that day before Christmas, I believe it is, that when all the animals can we talk. Should, uh, I, I do want to say, I don't think Simpkin hides the twist. No, I think it says he does, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does say that he hides the twist. Yeah. Wait, I thought you said you... Well, I'm saying, I I don't think he, like, angrily hides the twist so that the his master can't get it. I think he just... Because is a cat going to have that, you know, is a cat going to be vengeful in the way that I know this is exactly what you want. I'm going to hide it until you give me what you want. Well, at the end of the story, he, it's said that he feels ashamed of acting that way towards the tailor when the mice have been so helpful. So he gets the twist. And yes. It back. I'm saying that that's nonsense. That he feels ashamed. Okay. That he feels shame because he saw the mice doing this because the mice didn't do that because they can't because they're mice. Okay. Also, can cats feel shame? I don't know. I think that they could. Yeah. I. You know what? I think cats can in feel some shame. Way. Maybe not in <clears throat> as complex of a way, like, as well thought out as us, yeah. perhaps. Okay, but right. So maybe he, maybe it's like this. I don't think it was like this whole plot. I think maybe the cat has this thing, and the cat wants to keep it and play with it or something, mm-hmm. and then puts it, 
you know, in whatever it was, a cup a, or something. A, a teapot? Teapot. Hit it in a teapot. teapot. That makes sense. It doesn't have to be like the cat is, you know, okay. doing it like behind, you know, the cat puts it in a teapot. That's fine. Okay. There's not necessarily a nonsense there. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm with you. Okay. Now we get to the day before Christmas. After he's sick and he's all stressed out and it's not going to work. All these animals can talk the day before Christmas. Right. What? So, so let's go to the text. Yeah. Specificity would help, I think. Let's go to the text. Um... Yeah. So here's what happens. But it is in the old story that all the beasts can talk, talk, sorry, can talk in the night between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in the morning, though there are very few folk that can hear them or know what it is that they say. The reason that very few few folk can hear them or know what it is that they say is because they can't talk, because they're it's animals. Absolute nonsense. Okay. But I'm sure there are a few who think that they're talking and think they know what they can say. Right. And I think that about explains that part. Um, but when the cathedral clock struck 12, there was an answer like an echo of the chimes, and Simpkin heard it. Simpkin's a cat. Uh-huh. Simpkin heard it and came out of the tailor's door and wandered about in the snow. That's completely fine. Animals happened to make a bunch of noise at that time. Simpkin the cat heard it and went outside. Yeah. No nonsense yet. From all the roofs and gables and old wooden houses in Gloucester came a thousand merry voices singing the old Christmas rhymes, all the old songs that I ever I heard of, and some that I don't know, like Whittington's Bells. Ah, uh, Whittington's Bells. Yeah, that one I don't know. I bet you there's some, like, modern, or not modern, but like a, a time period reference in there that we are totally missing yeah first and loudest the cocks cried out dame get up and bake your pies okay so what's up here (laughs) roosters are yelling english words yeah is this a song i guess it must be a song i think the idea is that it's a song so this is i mean okay even in the story in like the heart of the story we have a bunch of roosters go, Dame, get up and bake your pies. And then Simkin the cat sighs, Oh, dilly, dilly, dilly. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> what is this part about? Why did this happen? <laughs> is dilly, dilly, dilly just, um... It's just the song, I bet. Yeah. Like, it's just like a, like a, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Baby, dilly, dilly, dilly. Baby, baby, baby. baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... It might also mean, isn't it used in some songs to just be like, love? I don't know. Or something? I don't know what it means. I don't know. I think it's you're, I think you were right on the money. It's just like a word that was cool to put in the songs back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's, so the roosters are crying out, wake up. They kind of do do that. They just don't say it with words. Right. What is the... I wonder if all the songs are just like 
songs that make sense for what that animal does. What is the next one? And now, in a garret, there were lights and sounds of dancing, and cats from over the way. They came from over the way. And then, and then Simpkin says, Hey, diddle diddle the cat and the fiddle, all the cats in Gloucester except me. What? <laughs> I mean, Simpkin sees all these cats and says, Hey, look, it's all of the cats except me. I'm here. Okay, fair enough. So that's... At this point, these animals are they're speaking, talking. They're speaking their language. They Okay. Well, I guess we gotta... Do we take literally that they're talking based on what the narrator is yeah, saying? Yeah, the narrator specifically says they can talk. And they're saying these specific words. And they're singing all the Christmas rhymes. Um, yeah, and then the Throstles and Robins sang. But they don't sing any words, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Simpkin was really hungry. And then went to the... To the tailor place. Um, and then he heard the mouse. The mice. Yeah, and they taunted him. Yeah. Do they say anything? They sing a little bit to him, they right? They do. They sing a few things. So here... Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Simkin goes out and hears these things. Mm-hmm. And here's the roosters. But if they're words, they can't be roosters. They must be people. Right? I think so. Right. It doesn't say anywhere that Simkin sees the roosters. You know? Yeah, that's So these true. are just people's voices. Right. They the, the, the people hear the roosters and then they yell, wake up. It's right. time to wake up. Maybe, like, it's just tradition to sing that song yeah. at the beginning of the day before, of, of Christmas Eve. Maybe. And if not, it's a sentence that could very well be, you know, said. Yeah. Let's wake up and bake your pies. Yeah. Get, get Just like, um, you know, like, um, <clears throat> uh, what do people say to wake people up? Like, oh my gosh, there are so many silly, like, cheesy phrases that people say when they're trying to get other people to wake up. Like, I mean, up and Adam is one of them. Yeah, uh, rise the, and shine, rise and God, shine. your glory. The early bird catches Just the worm. worm. Uh, uh, what about wakey, bacon? Wakey, yeah, eggs and, and bakey. bakey. Yeah. That's the one I was trying to figure out. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. There it is. You know, a hundred years from now, that will sound just as absurd as that. You're right. I think probably, it probably more sounds so. more absurd currently right. in today's time. Right. Um, okay, so that's fine and all. And the cats, fine. The cats actually don't do anything. So the only thing we have left to explain before we get to the mice, and we will get there, is Simkin, who says, Oh, dilly, 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 and hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle, and all the cats in Gloucester except me. So mm. here, here's my take. Simkin is a person. Not Simkin the cat. But the person who's behind the scenes oh, helping out is Simkin. And that's the Simkin we're talking about right now. There's two Simkins. There's two Simkins. Maybe the... The cat is named after yeah. Simpkin. I think that's it. You know? So Simpkin the cat is this person's cat that they got. Mm-hmm. Simpkin, Simpkin is Simpkin's cat. Or at least was a cat that Simpkin got to sort of be like the middleman and taking care of the tailor. Yeah, maybe Simpkin is 
a relative of the tailor. The tailor's older, so I'm going to say not a parent. Let's say a brother. A brother seems most likely possibly a son. Yeah. Um, and as the tailor got older and these like agoraphobic tendencies became more pronounced mm-hmm. and more severe, Simpkin physically had to remove himself from the tailor's <clears throat> presence. Right. And so got and, a new Simpkin. Right. A sort of a... Uh... A service cat. Yeah. So it, it allows them to still, like, be connected in some way. Yeah. So this Simkin... Oh, and that's that's why he humanizes these animals so much. His son or brother literally, in his eyes, is a cat now. Yeah. Now, he knows what happened, unless he's amnesiac. And amnesiac as well. But I think that's a lot to, to deal with. Right. But he sees this cat as his relative. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so Simkin goes, and then he goes to, I mean, Simkin the person, goes to the tailor shop, and hears these voices inside. So, here's what, here's what it says. Mm-hmm. From the tailor shop in Westgate came a glow of light, and when Sim so that makes sense, somebody's in the tailor shop. It's not the tailor, because mm-hmm. he's at home. Someone's in there. Um, and when Simkin crept up to peep in at the window, it was full of candles. There was a snippeting of scissors and snapping of thread, and little mouse voices sang loudly and gaily. Okay. That's fine. Nowhere does it say there were mice in there. No. It says there were mouse voices. In fact, it almost goes out of the way not to say that he saw the mice. Right. He children? Sees... Are there children? So- someone with little voices. So maybe children. Yeah. That's that's a good guess. Right. And they are doing the work. Right. For some reason. Maybe. Hmm. I don't think it's that. I mean, this guy's sick, right? Right. Maybe it's a like a like a youth group. Yeah. It's just like trying people to help the tailor about the tailor. Yeah. Which is what they do. Yeah. And they have little they hands about so it. they can do little work. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Child labor. That's, yep. Is what's going on yep. here. We'll, for better or for worse. We'll Gloucester over that fact. We'll Gloucester over that one real good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. And it, so it's some group that knows he's sick and is sort of here, like, volunteering their time to surprise him by mm-hmm. doing this harrowing job he doesn't have the strength to do right now. Yep. And they that they realize that they don't have the last thing they need to oh, finish that's, it. That's so they write a little note in little handwriting mm-hmm. that says, we don't have this, this thing. This thing. You know? Um, and they leave it there. And they did, I mean, they expected to have it. Right. So then here, so here's what happens after that. Okay. This is important. Um... Okay, Simpkin. Oh no, I accidentally clicked on the picture. Great, now I have to scroll down further. Oh my gosh! Oh man, my life. Why aren't these things optimized for mobile? Am Simpkin I right? came away from the shop and went home, considering in his mind. He found the poor old terror without fever, sleeping peacefully. So this is the person Simpkin goes home 
to goes to goes to the tailor's home while he's asleep and goes inside. Mm-hmm. That's the only the, time he could go. Right, in. finds the tailor asleep. Then he went on tiptoe as not to wake him up. Took a little parcel of silk out of the teapot and looked at it in the moonlight. So he went in and found where the thing was. Mm-hmm. So he went to where the kids were working and found um, and saw. Oh, the cat messed up. Yeah. And I'm going to go and find where the cat put it. And he knows his cat well enough to know that the cat's hiding place is in his teapot. Yeah. Goes, gets the thing this out. This is like really early automation <coughs> via cats. Yeah. Okay. And then, yep. And when the tailor awoke in the morning, the first thing which he saw upon the patchwork quilt was a skein of cherry colored twisted silk. And beside his bed stood the repentance Simkin. It's perfect. It's perfect because the guy, the human, puts the thing on, leaves, and then he wakes up, he sees it, and then he sees the cat and is like, oh, the cat felt bad and put it there. Yeah. That's not what happened. Right. Ah. Yeah. It's perfect. It is perfect. And then he goes into work, finishes the one thing he could, bada bing, bada boom. Now you're rich. Now you're rich. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We got, we did it. We did it. Crack the code. Yeah, that was very tidy as well. It was good. Anything you think we're missing? I don't think so. I feel pretty confident about that. Yes. Um, Let's say (sighs) that the real moral of this story is that it's, well, I guess this is kind of what your original moral was, but it's, it's good for someone to have your back, you know? Yeah. Or like maybe... Maybe you're not as alone as you think. You're not as alone as you think. That I, you know, I that like that creepy. one. No, but I I do like it. Like you're you're not <coughs> you're not always cognizant of the help you're receiving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So like, I don't I don't know what that means for you, but for me, it means. That I should be just kind of like thankful more broadly, you know? Yeah. Like just be thankful. Be thankful for the things that I that I can't that I'm not like. You don't know you need to be thankful for. Yeah. Just be thankful because I know that there are things like that. Yeah, I agree. If you don't know what you got till it's gone, you pave paradise and uh... you put up a parking lot. Thanks for listening to No Nonsense Storytime. I'm Chris Panico. And I'm Robert Hoffman. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot we did that. (laughs) Join us next week as we discuss the book Fireman Small by Wong Herbert Yee. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook and other social media outlets and email us at nonsensestorytime at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or questions or the like. Thank you. Goodbye.